The Hammer Podcast will not be heard this month. I've just been handed a bullet. Yes, dear listener, it is Once in a Blue Moon. You will have both this episode, which is Legends of the Superheroes, and a Hammer Podcast episode in the same month. Now, I had promised back when I was on the Supermates podcast that we would do a crossover in a few weeks. Now, they released their episode a couple weeks ago, so I'm keeping my promise here. I did not want to push this back into June. But there is a special event happening in a few weeks with not only the Hammer Podcast, but several other podcasts out there. Look for that, I would say, probably around the the mid to the end of this month. More on that later. I don't want to spoil the surprise for you. In the meantime, why don't you take a listen to this brand new trailer from Supermates, and then we'll get on to our program. Are you a geek looking for love? Do you long to find discussion on that special comic, TV episode, movie, or toy that's just right for you? Then why not try Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast? Chris and Cindy Franklin can match you with that certain something to satisfy your genre-related longings, no matter the subject. Superheroes. But Robin's like, that was really nice of you, Batman. It's like, I had the room loaded with kryptonite. I can turn it on at any moment. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's, you're talking about, now think about this. It's an apartment building owned by Batman. Do you not think that Batman doesn't have their place but? Sci-fi. I don't know. You talk about being a sex symbol and stuff like that. I mean, I know a lot of girls thought, you know, William Shatner was it, but I had a, the biggest crush on George Takai. I, 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 I did. I thought, you know. Sorry about that. Horror. And then when we see the Wolfman for the first time, he's in, I don't know, we don't know. A long sleeve shirt, shirt and a dark pair of pants. pants with a belt. With a with belt. The belt. That's what I <laughs> And his shirt's buttoned up all the way, too. Yeah, yeah. And his so, arms. So after he changes into this ferocious beast who can't talk and doesn't seem to be able to think beyond just attacking things. He, he has lots of dexterity. He went through his closet and... I like this outfit better. Action figures. I actually had all the figures and all the accessories up to a certain point. I really literally did collect them all, you know. Including Shira. I was going to get to that, but... Chris and Cindy have found their own happiness through discussions like this. I could be friends with him. I could be down with this version of the ultra-humanoid. You could be friends with the dude who put his brain inside a mutated albino ape. I married you! (laughs) Oh! If you're tired of searching for geek love, then sign up with Supermates for free at supermatescomic.blogspot.com or on iTunes. Legends of the Superheroes. For centuries, the world has been protected by a group of extraordinary men and women who have dedicated themselves to fighting crime. Greetings and welcome to Legends of the Superheroes, a production of TheHammerStrikes.com, where we look at the live-action versions of your favorite comic book characters. I'm Gene Hendricks, and today my guest is the co-host of the Supermates podcast and the co-host of the Power Records podcast, both wonderful shows. Please welcome, all the way from Earth 2, Mr. Chris Franklin. 
How are you, well, sir? I'm good, man. That transmatter device is really getting kind of wonky, though. They need to, <laughs> they got to fix that thing. Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you, Gene? I'm doing pretty good. It's starting to warm up here, so it's nice to be able to actually open the windows for a change. Mm-hmm. Get some Same fresh here. air in the house. That's right. Get out and get out in the sun and the green and and away from the cold and yeah, good stuff. Mm. Now, those of you that listen to Supermates and Really, that should be all of you. <laughs> know that we are covering the two Captain America movies starring Reb Slababrief Brown. <laughs> now, this was my first time watching these. How about you, Chris? Have you seen these before? Oh, yeah. I saw these when they aired. In oh, wow. 19- yes. I, I, was a, I was there on the couch in 1979 <clears throat> for both of these, I believe. Uh, yeah, I remember because I remember his weird costume and I remember his... Still kind of weird, but more traditional costume. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely, I saw those then, and then at some point in the '80s, I actually caught it on. You know, one of the local channels was airing it on the Saturday matinee, and I re- actually, I think I recorded the second one. I, I managed to record it on VHS. So you know, every once in a while, I'd pop it in, and you know, fast forward to the good parts and. <laughs> <laughs> the cat parts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then over the years, I've I've had a few bootlegs. And uh, when the first Avenger movie came out, somebody, I think it was my dad, gave me the uh, the official Universal DVD release of these. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've, <laughs> I've been there with Red Brown all the way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, shall we get into the first movie and then we'll, we'll talk about our impressions on that? Sure. All right. This is Captain America, which premiered in January of 1979. We open with ex-motocross star Steve Rogers having just been mustered out of the U.S. Marines. I'll let that sink in for a little while. That's, that's how far away from the original source material we are. He's tooling down the Pacific coast in his conversion van with a motorcycle strapped on the back. He stops off at a friend's place of business, where we learn that he's had Dr. Simon Mills trying to get in touch with him twice on the base and once at this shop, which is apparently Roger's forwarding address. Jeff Hayden, an old friend of Steve's father, also gets in touch, and Steve agrees to meet with him that night after meeting Mills. He meets up with Mills and finds out that his father had created a super steroid called FLAG for full latent ability gain from his own adrenal gland. While Mills has all the notes and files, he's never been able to get the formula to work on another creature. He tells Rogers that his DNA is close enough to his father's that he should be able to take the formula and gain all the abilities his father had. Rogers refuses. On his way to meet up with Hayden, Rogers is ambushed by Colonel Decker, who uses an oil truck to create a slick road. This causes Rogers to lose control of his van and go over a cliff. The van is nearly totaled, but Rogers survives with only a ripped shirt. He rides his also undamaged motorcycle to Hayden's house, where he finds Hayden dying. As Rogers goes to call an ambulance, the killer takes a desk calendar and advanced camera off of Hayden's desk. He delivers this to Lou Brackett, an oil company CEO, no, not Roxon Oil Company, just generic oil company, <laughs> who is in the middle of building a neutron bomb in order to steal a boatload of gold. Mills, who was at the crime scene, tells Rogers that Hayden was working on a neutron bomb and must have given the information to someone. 
Rogers doesn't believe it, but he does go to meet with someone that claims to know what happened. This turns out to be the killer and Colonel Decker, who run Rogers off a very similar cliff, this time putting him in critical condition. In order to save Steve's life, Mills injects him with flag formula. This not only heals Rogers, but gives him super strength, super speed, and super senses. Rogers still refuses to become a guinea pig, but he eventually comes around to Mills' way of thinking when he's kidnapped and taken to a meat packing plant for disposal. Mills then tells Steve that his dad was a special agent and so patriotic that people kiddingly called him Captain America. Rogers, ever the artist, whips up a sketch of an evil Knievel-style uniform, which he then gives to Mills. Mills takes Rogers to a weapons testing site where he's told that his van has been repaired and modified. It now conceals a Street Hawk-style motorcycle whose windshield is a bulletproof frisbee weapon that kinda sorta looks like Captain America's shield. As Steve is trying the motorcycle out, he's attacked by a helicopter, which he jumps into and forces the pilot to land after throwing the gunman out the window into a lake. This leads Mills to say that Steve Rogers will always be a target whenever he uses his abilities. When Hayden's daughter and Mills' assistant, Dr. Wendy Day, are kidnapped, Steve gets a uniform from Mills based on his sketch and then goes to rescue them from the evil oil company. He manages to free them and get information on Brackett's plan. Mills and Cap then take a helicopter to track down the truck carrying Brackett and the bomb. They find the truck, land, and Cap takes to the road on his motorcycle. He catches up to the truck and climbs on board. Cap concocts a plan to redirect the truck's exhaust into the trailer, causing Brackett, who's riding there with the bomb, to call for help and have the truck pull over. Brackett passes out and Cap takes care of the goons as soon as the truck is on the side of the road. Cap is shocked. Shocked, I say, to discover that carbon monoxide poisoning doesn't agree with Brackett and may cause the bomb to go off if the dead man switch reading his pulse decides that he's dead. Luckily, Mills has an oxygen tank to hand. We leave off with Steve telling Mills that he'd like to honor his father's legacy, and then we see him ride up in a more traditional Captain America uniform, which still has the cowl as a motorcycle helmet. So what do we think? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> You know, th th there's so many things. I can't help it. I guess there's a nostalgia for this. I mean, Captain America was always, I mean, everybody loves Spider-Man. But, of you know, once you get past Spider-Man, Captain America is most definitely my favorite Marvel character. Sometimes it's more than Spider-Man. Sometimes it's a little bit less. But he's always, you know, he's always the guy at Marvel for me. So, right. as a kid, this, even though this is, you know, Steve Rogers here is the, polar opposite of the comic book Steve Rogers. <laughs> the skinny, scrawny Steve Rogers who wanted desperately to serve his country and to become Captain America, to be, you know, to volunteer for the Project Rebirth. <laughs> Where this Steve's a, you know, hulking beefcake that gets out of the military and wants no part of the Captain America <laughs> program, you know, so it's it's like bizarro Captain America. But despite all that, I mean there's just something about it. I don't know. It's I, I can't help but I can't help but like it. I think it's the theme song. The the Mike Post theme song mm. is just all kinds of awesome. It's uh it's I can I can just I hum it in my head quite a bit. You know, it's like <laughs> it's still still rolling around in there from the seventies. So I, I mean, this is your first time watching it. What did you What did you think of it? Well, much like with the Wonder Woman movie, which we covered on Supermates, mm -hmm. listen, people. Yes, <laughs> it's one of those things where it looks like 
if you took away the shield and named him the Patriot, it'd be a perfectly decent movie. Yes. But putting that name Captain America on it just kind of, it's a little off. It's, a, it's a, a lot off, really. Yeah. But I can't blame it, really. I can't blame it for that because look at every other superhero television property. Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman. Not a huge amount of changes, but they did have significant changes. Yeah. The, the Incredible Hulk. A lot of changes there, but they yeah. worked really, really well. Yeah, right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the Incredible Hulk's kind of the, you know, that's that kind of stops you from going completely off on these things because there's right. a there's a lot changed. And I mean, the Hulk, the basic premise of the Hulk, other than him changing into the Hulk, everything, the origin changed. You know, uh, the uh, you know, there's no there's no there's no army at chasing him. Uh, there's a reporter instead of General Ross. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. the, there's no supervillains, obviously. I, I mean, this is, and, and, you know, and essentially this is them adapting the Captain America concept to the six million dollar man concept. I mean, th this is very unabashedly, you know, quite similar to the six million dollar man. I mean, you've got a guy that's, you know, Simon Mills is 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 Oscar Goldman. Mm -hmm. You know, Caps obviously Steve Rogers is Steve Austin. Uh, you know, they even have him in the operating room in a very similar scene to We Can Rebuild Him, you know, and and uh, there's the sound effects that he makes when he does things. And Oh, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to ask you. I remember vaguely watching, like, The Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman growing up, but... Mm -hmm. Were TV audiences back then really that dim that every time someone used <laughs> a special power, they needed a sound cue for it? Every ah. time. Incredible Hulk, Wonder Woman, Captain America, Spider-Man, Six Million Dollar Man, Bionic Woman. Every time they're using a special power, there's a sound cue. I can get if he is bending the exhaust pipe of a truck with his bare hand. He's using his super strength. I don't need the blah, 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 or whatever they played. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know what that is. I mean, it's like, you know, it. I guess in a way it's kind of like, well, it's like now we've got, you know, Superman can't just fly like he used to. You know, he's got to have all this distortion field around him when he flies and you know, it's like like Smallville when he first like Clark was possessed by I don't know what it was. Was it red kryptonite? I don't know what it was, but he was when he actually flew and it wasn't really him. It, it was Cal or whatever. And they did that big thing where he's like he kneels down and then all this distortion goes around him. It's enough to like knock his mom backwards and you know whatever happened to Christopher Reeve just kind of levitating off the ground. <laughs> so we're kind of in the over done visual effect era of superpowers and back then it was the audio effect <laughs> right yeah superpowers you and know? that's only because they couldn't afford the visual right the visuals didn't work they didn't have the technology <laughs> we don't have the technology you know? <laughs> like the six million dollar man but you know and and I, I don't think you can over overestimate the influence of evil Knievel on this oh, thing definitely that's why i put in the synopsis that it was an evil Knievel suit yeah i'm yeah, that definitely. This could have been a variant outfit for the ideal Evil Knievel action figure. I mean, no doubt about it, especially this first one with the, you know, it's it's basically like a blue, it's a solid blue suit with red and white, almost suspender-like stripes going down his shoulders, from his shoulders to his, down his chest into his abdomen. It looks like he's got suspenders on. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it looks very much like something you'd see Evil Knievel. And I mean, I think, you know, 
the, the the legacy of this film, these films, is really Captain America and his motorcycle. Yeah. I, I don't think, and I'm not saying I'm sure Captain America rode a motorcycle. I think there's even an old Golden Age cover where he's riding a motorcycle. But that wasn't his mode of transportation until these uh, films. And this is carried over into the, mar- the modern Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean... Chris where, where he, he Chris Evans actually puts the shield on the front of the bike in the first yeah. Avenger. Yes, and then, you know that was just. I mean, they they show him do it. I mean, it's like right in the camera. That was a nod to these movies. Oh, definitely. That yes. was them saying wink, wink. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we re- we remember this. We're not going to give Red Brown a cameo, but. Here you go. Yes. <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny. I didn't even think about it before until you were synopsizing there that uh, how ironic was it that they uh, took, uh, they kidnapped Steve Rogers, Red Brown, and took him to a meatpacking plant. I, I know. <laughs> That's actually my note is, where did I write it? Uh, my note is, so the slab of beef ends up at a meatpacker's. <laughs> That dude was huge. I mean... Oh, man, yeah. Now, (laughs) now, my only issue was I have cast a guy built like that as Captain America. No problem at all. Mm -hmm. Try and get a stuntman that's of the same body type. Right, yeah. You watch watch the guy that's actually riding the motorcycle or doing the jump, Mm -hmm. and it's a skinny guy. Right. He he doesn't have these five-foot shoulders or anything. Right. It it threw me right out of it. It's like, that isn't him. Right. Where was Lou Ferrigno's stunt double that week? You know, I mean, yeah, because <laughs> he's oh. always he's a little bit too. He's a little bit smaller than Lou. You can if you watch the Hulk, you can. It's it's kind of like the same thing, but he's probably about the same size as Red Brown. You know, so. Chris, everybody's smaller than Lou Ferrigno. Have you seen the man? I have seen him up close. Yes. God he, damn. Yeah, I know. It's like and he is still is freaking. I mean, his arms are the size of my torso and I'm not yeah. skinny. You know, like, well, I, I follow him on. On Facebook, and he posted the Mr. Universe picture the other day with him and Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. and Schwarzenegger's on top of the podium because he won, and Ferrigno is standing flat-footed next to him, and they're about the same height. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that, I'm like, damn, that man is huge! He is. <laughs> I, you know, I, as much as I love the Hulk, but they they finally got the Hulk right. I feel like in the Avengers movies, and I, I I don't it doesn't pull me out of it anymore. You know that it's a CGI creation, and I like Mark mm-hmm. Ruffalo, but I'm like, why can't they just Hobbitize the Hulk in reverse? Hobbitize, uh, you know, Ferrigno, right? Make Ferrigno, make him bigger than everybody else, but use him. You know? Well, they <laughs> apparently there is a little bit of a nod to that because all of the Hulk. Hulk's dialogue is yeah is Lou Ferrigno. It's Lou Ferrigno, yeah. It does all the all the uh, growls and grunts and yeah, that is true, yeah. So I, I almost forget that sometimes, but yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, but um, this is not an Incredible Hulk podcast. No, it's not. Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Boy, we went off the rails real quick on this one. Yeah, you, do you want to do some bit by bit stuff, notes well, and things? I, the way the way I wrote my notes is I just wrote them as I was watching the movie. Okay. And uh, the first one I have is now this is not the Mike Post Captain America theme, Mm-mm. but the opening music does not grab me. No. <laughs> it's just like this pastoral cuz he's driving down the highway and all and it just it it's not Captain America. It's not what I think of. Like later on when you get the theme, it's why couldn't you put that at the beginning to draw me right into it? I don't need to see him driving down this highway for 10 minutes while you run credits. <laughs> yeah. One of the many padded segments of this movie. Oh, the the <laughs> 
the padding in this movie was just amazing. It's like, I am going to go over there. And you see every single step takes. Yeah. You yeah. see all of the procedures to land the helicopter. Oh, to... gosh. <laughs> I don't care. Just say, we're going, oh, look, there's a spot there. And the next thing, it's on the ground. But if you cut all that, it would probably be about 45 minutes long. Yeah, I mean, this, it, you know, the, the was this sponsored by Bell Helicopter? I mean, what? You know, <laughs> I mean, there's less shots of the Batcopter in the Batman movie, this 1966 Batman movie. And you want to see that, you know, yeah. but you're like, you know, yeah, like you're right. When Simon, we're jumping ahead, but when Simon and him are following and Steve are following the trailer, I mean, they show every like second of him landing that helicopter cut and then show him land and then show the motorcycle shoot out of it. I know they wanted to get the big dramatic, the motorcycle shoots out of it off the cliff thing, but it's like. God, somebody, if they cut this down, this would have been like an hour. <laughs> it's like, yeah, really. not a, not a two hour movie, but you know, the, the, uh, the, the music at the beginning, it's kind of weird because they played that kind of, like you said, pastoral music, like elevator music, mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning, but they show the comic book, Captain America logo, the, the curved 70s Captain America logo. I think that, I think that might be a Jim Steranko design because I think that, came up uh, on the issues he drew in the late 60s because uh, okay. it switched to that like the issue when he, he drew like what three issues of cap three or four and uh, I mean it, it comes up on the screen so that kind of like oh that's cool that's the that's that's Captain America's logo to me you know because that's what it looked like for years when I was buying the comics so right that was cool but yeah it's like it's totally undercut by this <laughs> lifetime, <laughs> lifetime movie music underneath you know? <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know how the Marines operated back then but we are told that Steve Rogers just was mustered out as a Marine mm -hmm. for being just out of the core he has a huge amount of hair on his head <laughs> yeah he does <laughs> I mean it's it's like he started oh I got a year left let me not get a haircut anymore yeah <laughs> I, 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 now, I understand that style and everything, but then don't say he just got out of the Marines. Say that, oh, well, you know, he he got out of the Marines a year ago and has been traveling. Right, he's been driving across the country or something. Right, you know? yeah, just real easy way to do it. But Right, and apparently he's a, he's a motocross guy and a surfer dude because he's got a history with the guy that runs the surf shack. Right. And he had a forwarding address there, so... <laughs> That's pretty far from the comic book Steve Rogers as well. You know? <laughs> well, I want to know how he fit everything in because he was an he was a, a motocross champion. Mm -hmm. He is a very talented artist, and that's not something that you just get naturally. You have to have some training for that. Right. He's been in the Marines. Mm -hmm. He has at least some scientific training, probably from his dad. Yeah. How old is he supposed to be? Well, and they said he like I think they inferred that he went to military school all through all his life, and that's kind of why he didn't yeah. he didn't know as much about his dad as as he would have thought he would. Yeah, he, that, that's, you know, another, that's another thing. He was in the Marines, correct? Uh-huh. He said that he went to West Point. <laughs> That's the Army, people. Yes. The Marines is Annapolis. That's right. You're right. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> he transferred over. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to go into the Army, and they didn't want him, so they put him in the Marines. Yeah, that's not usually doesn't go that way, does it? <laughs> no, no, it does not. Once you're in that, that branch, that's the branch you're in. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, and, and then everybody but Steve seems to be worried about him getting, you know, they either want him to get the flag formula 
or they they're afraid he's going to get it. Like Brackett like knows about Steve and his potential to get this flag formula and become a problem. And it's like, okay, how did they know that? Did Hayden tell them? Uh, you know, and why did they they set up this elaborate scheme to to look to kill him with like oil slick on the road? Couldn't they just snuck up to him and put a bullet in his head? I mean, it's uh, like, uh, we're back to the Batman principle here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, we we have Batman or Steve Rogers dead to rights. Let's put him in this long convoluted death machine, <laughs> right? And walk away. Yeah, yeah. You're, and, and I. Have to to say that that crash that had to be the longest out of control spin i've ever seen <laughs> he hits that oil and it's like ah, 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 and crash <laughs> it reminded me there's a adventures of superman episode i think it's like one of the very last ones uh i think it's called the perils of Su- perils of superman and it's like this this criminal in a lead mask targets the Daily Planet staff. He kidnaps all of them, including... Oh, I've Clark. seen that one, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a great yeah, one. Yeah. Like, Perry White's on the saw, you know, the, the, in the sawmill with the on the log, you know, going <laughs> toward the... And, and Lois is on the train tracks. They dip Clark in acid, and he comes out of Superman, which is cool. But Jimmy Olsen is, you know... You know, I know it's your favorite guy from uh, from the, uh, from the <laughs> Fight Club. <laughs> Uh, Jack Kirby, Jimmy Olsen would have kicked Archie's ass. That's all I'm going to say. But anyway, uh, so so Jimmy's driving, you know, and and his steering wheel, like, comes off and his brakes go out. And it's ridiculous how long he stays on the road. (laughs) You know, it reminded me of the same thing. I'm like, okay, at what point are you going to crash? You know? Yeah. But yeah, that the elaborate way, and they used the guy's own oil truck. I, I mean, know. Come, yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, but it was Colonel Decker. He doesn't have all the best plots. <laughs> and my note for that is, oh, he's got Colonel Decker after him. After him, must be the van. That's right. <laughs> because the van, it's this brown van, and it's got the what is it like blue and gray mm-hmm. line across it that swoops up at the end. I'm like, you change the colors in that, it's the A team van. That's right. <laughs> With another Mike Post theme song. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. flag. Stands for full latent ability gain. You know, yes. I wonder how long it took him to come up with that. You know, it's like, it's like Firestorm on the Flash. Uh, but let's it, see. Apparently, they couldn't use Super Soldier Serum for some weird reason. Yeah, but it, yeah. they call it a super steroid, though. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, like th- like this guy needs a steroid. Jeez. <laughs> He's eating fifty chickens a day. He doesn't need a steroid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. It's actually, you know, it's funny because there's all this scientific talk, and then Simon says, you got your cells from your dad. It's like, no, I don't think cells work that way. I think (laughs) you're talking about DNA, dude. You know, (laughs) It was the 70s. They didn't know any better. Right. We don't know if people know what DNA means, so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's... So when Steve, like, they kidnap Steve and he goes at the meat packing plant, he grabs a hold of the hook, you know, one of the hooks that the meat hangs on, and slides away very slowly. (laughs) 
it's not like a zip line. He's like moving very slowly. And it's like, okay, how bad these guys, they, you know, they must be descendants of Imperial stormtroopers because they're horrible shots if they can't hit that literally hanging target right there. Now, I know it's a different scene, but when he's being chased by the guy in the helicopter, oh, yeah. right, he's on his motorcycle. Mm-hmm. He's got the shield in front of him as the windshield, which mm-hmm. has a screw through the back of it. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes, I did. <laughs> it's but, an antium screw. It, it works. <laughs> so the guy's shooting at him. Now remember, the helicopter is chasing him. The helicopter's behind him. The mm. guy's shooting at him. The bullets hit the front of the shield. <laughs> Are these Australian bullets? Do they, you know, boomerang back? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, and that guy is the worst shot ever because he's like literally, he's got a high-powered rifle. He's literally about maybe what, like thirty feet away from him. Yeah, and he can't hit him, and he stay, they stay right on top of him. I mean, and how did a helicopter? What kind of army base is this? A very poor <laughs> one, apparently. Yeah, I mean, who was? I mean, I know Gomer Powell was in the Marines, but was he watching the? Was he standing guard? Golly, Sergeant Carter, is that what I'm over? You know, I'm saying, I mean, Shazam! You know, I mean. <laughs> I mean, it's like this, and, you know, Simon notices it, and then finally the MPs drive up, and he gets in the Jeep with them. I'm like, how did, you know? <laughs> those those are the only two MPs for the entire base. Right. They yeah. were busy. Yeah, it's like, budget <laughs> cut, sir. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, that just, oh, man. Um, <laughs> well, you know, and the, the whole thing that really got me is, okay, Steve's dad was this scientist. He developed Flag. He injected himself. He used his abilities to fight crime and and serve his country, and they apparently mockingly called him Captain America. Right. But at the end, because Marvel apparently had a snit about his costume, Steve wears his father's Captain America costume. So if he was only jokingly called Captain America, then why did he have a costume that was red, white, and blue and very patriotic? I mean, it's like, if you wear something like that, somebody's going to name you if you don't name yourself. Yeah, I I didn't understand that either. It's like there was... They didn't bother to go back and just reshoot the scene or just cut that little mockingly called or whatever out. Just, right. you know, just re-edit. It's not that hard. Right. Just just, just have a close-up of Red Brown, you know, pull another close-up from him and have, you know, what's his name that played uh, Simon come in, uh, Lynn Berman come in and do a loop and say, your father's code name was Captain America. The end. You know. <laughs> it's not like the movie had... Uh, others didn't have any other scenes in it where you focused on someone that wasn't talking. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was the seventies. Of course it had that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, you know, Oh, he's talking pretty girl. <laughs> speaking of which, you've got the assistant Wendy day. Yes. And which Stan Lee wouldn't even come up with a name like that. So she and Steve are on the beach and they just start like making out. It's like, <laughs> it's out of no, I mean, she's very attractive. Uh, you know, yeah. she was uh, Jessica on Logan's run, the TV show. Uh, and so it's, it, you know, 
that she's attractive. Obviously, he's a good-looking guy, but it's like there was nothing between them before, and it's all of a sudden they just start sucking face. Yeah, because... well, I I knew that was going to happen as soon as she they introduced her in the very first scene. My note is introducing the love interest slash doctor. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like there has to be. I mean, there's no slow buildup of like you know if this was a TV show that they you know like eventually you know fall in love or reveal their feelings for one another. No, they like meet. And the next time they meet, they're on the beach. She's in a skimpy bathing suit, and they start making out. You know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Even back then, superhero movies had to shoehorn the uh, romantic interest in there. You know, so there uh, you go. Oh, and it's funny when they're talking about the neutron bomb, mm -hmm. and it, this is Simon Simon Mills telling Steve this. Yeah, and they're talking about the project and why Hayden was working on it. And here's Mills's line, and I wrote this down exactly. One of the most secret and closely guarded projects this nation has. What's Steve re Steve's response? Never heard of it. <laughs> well, duh! It's a closely guarded secret. Why wouldn't uh, a former Marine know about it? <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't come up in our last uh, our our last you know. <laughs> book group or something else. <laughs> Speaking of this, the Brackett's plan is, I mean, it, it one, the plan doesn't even, you don't even know what his plan is till like toward the end of the movie. You really, you really don't know why he's, I mean, obviously, you know, if he had a neutron bomb, he could do something with it, but his plan is to go, go to a gold depository and to detonate this bomb. And, and I guess he's going to like be there when it goes off and it's, he's got to have this radiation suit because a neutron bomb will kill anybody that's in the vicinity that doesn't have a radiation suit on, but it won't destroy the gold. And so it's kind of like the opposite of Goldfinger. Yeah, where they're going to irradiate exactly. the gold, and so it'll you know destroy the U.S. economy and blah blah blah. And and so it's it's the opposite of that. And he's just going to apparently kill everybody in the vicinity, load the gold up on the truck, and head to Mexico or something. Or it, it's like okay. How does that make any? I don't care what kind of radiation suit you got on. If this thing kills, if you're right there, it's probably going to just incinerate you, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like. Well, they're, they're still using duck and cover technology, apparently. That's right, right. Here, you know, you'll be fine. Just wrap this tinfoil around you. You'll be good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like a baked potato. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and then he's got the, you know, when Steve catches up to him, which, you know, the the, 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 the stunt work, the stunt work in this movie is actually, other than, like you said, the stunt man being too small. But, you know, quite a bit of it looks like it's Red Brown. And, and in fact, Red Brown in that uh, The Age of TV Heroes book that Tomorrow's published, he actually says he did the jump to the helicopter stunt himself. So, okay. I, you know, I, I, can, I, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, so... But, you know, that looks like it's him on the tractor trailer, you know, walking around quite a bit. And uh, those stunts are actually are pretty well done. And I like all that. But the end is just like, OK, they're going to give this old guy CPR. That's the climax of the movie. Yeah, it just ends. It's like, OK, well, he's not going to die. We're done. Right. What? Come right. on. There's, really? I mean, the biggest the biggest thing about it is you you know, he, he gets after all that build up, he rides the motorcycle, he gets on the truck, he bends the pipe down and and you know, puts the carbon monoxide in the truck and you know, knocks the goons out in the truck and, and then that's you know, and then gives this guy CPR, him and Simon give him CPR and, and the little thing that the the dead man switch that looks very, very flimsy. Uh <laughs> Well, not only that, it's, uh, here's another thing. Apparently he was, uh, explosive ordnance in the Marines because he looks at, well, that looks like a dead man switch. 
And I'm looking at it. looks like a box with lights and a yellow switch on the side of it. How do you know it's a dead man switch? <laughs> it looks like a, a Mattel Pocket Pong uh, from 1979 or something. <laughs> <laughs> what it really looks like, but, you know. It's uh, a little handheld Simon game. Right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, but yeah. And then, of course, well, the one thing that and we didn't get into this a whole lot, but hey, uh, Hayden's got a daughter yeah. uh, and and she's like, why is she even uh, in this movie? Just so there'd be another another uh, potential love interest or damsel I, in distress. I I really I, don't know. I don't know. It, it, yeah, I have to wonder what exactly they're setting up if it got picked up to series. And maybe she was going to be a recurring character in that. Maybe. You know, I mean, the whole thing, it's set up so that he ends up like Knight Rider or the A-Team, where he's he's going to end up traveling to town to town and solving whatever problem of the week. Right. So yeah. maybe she was going to be in that as, like you said, as a competing love interest or whatever. But it, it did seem kind of forced, other than... To give a little bit more backstory on Hayden, okay, why did he turn traitor? Well, it turns out that the the oil tycoon faked his wife's death in a plane crash. Yeah. And then had her kidnapped, and that's, he was the only one that knew that, and that's why he was turning over these secrets. It's, okay, I give you this, you give me my wife back. Right, and it's it's just, it, that the the fact that they the the mom comes in at the end it's like okay she's not dead it's what it's yeah <laughs> it's yes. really strange yeah let's force a happy ending in five minutes right and and then they had to shoehorn the the uh, classic almost classic costume scene in which you know because Marvel said uh, no so <laughs> <laughs> you have to have the real Captain America suit or something close to it so he yeah, rides it at the and, end in it and that suit if you if he would actually take the helmet off, mm -hmm. would be fine because he has on a mask, a blue mask, under the helmet. Yeah. So yeah. if he was to take the helmet off, I could well, except for the uh, the Tupperware shield, he still has. <laughs> but I could see that as a because it looks from the neck down looks perfect. Well, let's let's yeah, it does, and I, I agree, and, and, and it's very tight on him though. It's like <laughs> two sizes too small to show off his beefy physique but uh, <laughs> if he watches that thing he's totally screwed um uh, but yeah. let's talk about the shield uh the shield you know everybody knows the shield is transparent uh, other than the red stripes and there's a blue star in the center you know instead of to the white star and and the bad the thing with the shield is is that it one it, it looks very flimsy it looks mm -hmm. very plastic and when they throw when the shield is thrown and it's flying through the air it goes incredibly slow and anyone can throw it and have it return. Right. <laughs> because Mills says, oh, and look at this. And he takes it off the bike and throws it and it comes right back to him. Right. Like, okay, no special skill or how does it do this? I mean, right. It, it's manufactured in Australia? What? <laughs> They're getting the same place they got the bullets from the side. Yeah, really. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, and it's just, it's like if they just sped the film up. You know, I mean, just speed the film up. I mean, it's like it's just like this annoying thing hovering in the air. That's like, and, and they like, keep the camera on it. Yeah, it's like it's going, it's going. Okay, it's coming back, still coming back, and there it is. I, I know we're all spoiled by the you know the Marvel, the modern Marvel movies, and the way 
that they do the shield and they say a lot of it's just the way Chris Evans has figured out how to look like he's throwing it, you know, right. and sometimes he actually throws something and sometimes he has nothing in his hand, but it's just, he sells it. And, and it's kind of like, you know, Christopher Reeve selling his, his flying as Superman. Uh, but you know, this, I mean, that is the one thing as cool as the motorcycle is the, the shield when they uses it as a, in the classic Frisbee style of Captain America, that kills it. Yeah, I mean, I, it just, it totally just does not work at all. Hammond's Spider-Man webs were more believable than that. <laughs> and they're not believable at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, it's very much so, you're right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, one thing I did like at the very end, you've got a nice John Romita Captain America image at the very end of the movie. Yeah, like... they say uh, Captain America is owned by Marvel Comics Group, and they have the beautiful image of the real Captain America standing there. It's right. gorgeous. I think it's the old corner box image from the 70s, like when it was Captain America and the Falcon. It looked like the same, yeah. the same image you'd see a lot back then that they'd, uh, they'd put up. Oh, I got a, I got a, I think that's on the shirt I got. I got a, I got a, this is, uh, this is totally off, well, it's not completely off topic. I got a mm-hmm. shirt the other day at Kohl's that's the Mad Bomb cover. The Captain America, you know, Jack Kirby. It's like, Kirby's back and better than ever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got that. I was like, oh, I bought that. I wore it, I wore it when we went to the Age of Ultron the other night. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nerd prom. Yeah, I got a new shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's awesome. The big thing with this my big problem with this, other than like you said, it's not it's not very Captain America like, but they did keep I, I don't know it's like they they kept some elements of it and they mixed things around, but again it's like you can't comp- I feel like you can't complain it too much because there's the Hulk over here, you right. know. But, but the difference is the Hulk really worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think part of that was Bixby being such a amazing actor Mm -hmm. and believing in the project yeah yeah reb brown great guy passable actor right yes i can't i can't say he cannot act because he does do some good stuff and we'll see in the second movie he has some good emotional scenes yeah he can't sell it like bixby no no except and I think that's the the downfall. All these superhero stuff things, unless it is specifically camp, like Adam West, mm-hmm. you don't have the lead outside of Linda Carter and Bill Bixby believing in it enough to suck you into it. Right. Yeah. Every other time they tried it, it it just couldn't work. It was it was too far out there. And right. The act. The actors just didn't sell it. Right. I, that's a good point. Yeah. Did you? I haven't seen Red Brown and a lot of other stuff. I've seen him in guest spots. I remember he was on an episode of Happy Days that I saw not too long ago, probably around this same time where he was going to beat Ralph Malfa up or something. And I mean, <laughs> you know, so you had Donnie Most like, you know, bumping into him and freaking out. And he was, you know, this huge towering, you know, wave Red Brown. So, you know, but I, I've never seen your The Hunter from the Future movie. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? I have not, no. But apparently, he wasn't acting for a good long time. I I think he he had bit parts. There were two. He and Lou Ferrigno, get this, were in two action movies. Yeah. Cage in 1989 and Cage 2 in 1994. After that, he did not act again for like 15 years. Wow. Wow. I, I knew that because there was a podcast, Comic Book Central, had an interview with him. Have you ever... Uh... 
Have you ever no. listened to that show? That's a great show, Comic Book Central. Uh, Joe Stuber hosts that. That he gets interviews with people that I don't even I've, I've never seen. He's, he's interviewing people from the Legends of the Superhero specials right now, and he had one with Red Brown, and it was really it was really an interesting episode. He seemed like a really just down to earth guy, and and I mean he, he comes across here as very likable, and he seems like he really is very likable in real life. But yeah, he mentioned working with Lou Ferrigno in those movies, so that's as close to a Hulk Captain America team up <laughs> as you're gonna get, you know. And I, it sounded like it was a direct to video. 98 late 80s or 90s movie but yeah he uh I, I think he said something about he'd like to you know make a cameo in a, one of the marvel movies i wish they'd sneak him in somewhere because lou ferrigno himself has been in both hulk movies right and uh, of course nicholas hammond wasn't in any of the spider-man movies either so <laughs> <laughs> no I, I would like to see that uh, maybe in in civil war or something it's Yes, Stan Lee and Red Brown walking down the street. There you go. Uh, speaking of uh, Nicholas Hammond, there is a connection. The Heather Menzies, who plays Wendy Day, uh, was another one of the Von Trapp kids in The Sound of Music, along with uh -huh. Nicholas Hammond. Okay. So there's a connection to Spider-Man there. Uh, and she was actually married to Robert Urich, who was on SWAT with Brackett, the guy that played Brackett, Steve Forrest. Because they were, the, yeah, he was he was the leader on uh, Hondo on SWAT. There's a uh, if you if you want to recreate this Captain America movie, you can get your Mego Captain America and your LJN produced SWAT figure of Hondo and, <laughs> <laughs> and borrow Evil Knievel's motorcycle and rev it up and. <laughs> I'm sure someone's done a repaint of that motorcycle as the Captain America one. There's a guy, I want to hang out on the MigoMuseum.com board, there's a guy named Austin Huff who does some great custom Migos. He did a red brown Captain America in his original suit from this movie. Nice. That is dead on. I mean, it's like, holy cow, I would buy that. I mean, it's just, <laughs> as goofy as the suit is, I would, I would buy that, yeah. One other Marvel connection, Lynn Berman that played Simon, he was the voice of uh, Rocket Robin Hood, which is a Canadian-produced cartoon I, I've heard of. I've never seen it. It was produced by Grant, Grant Ray Lawrence Productions, which produced the Marvel superheroes cartoons of the 60s and the Spider-Man cartoon. And he was the voice of Hercules in the Thor segments on that Marvel superheroes cartoon. Oh, cool. Okay. So there you go. So the Marvel Hercules, you know, so lots of... You know, weird connections there. Another thing, somebody, I, I kept trying to figure out who the henchman was. The one guy that the very, very gaunt-faced... Uh, oh, the, the guy that actually killed Hayden. Right, yeah. right. It's uh, Joseph Ruskin. He was on several different iterations of Star Trek, but he was, he's probably most famous for being Galt on the Gamesters of Triskillian. The, Aha! Yeah, the episode where they, you know, they torture him and make him fight and, yeah, you know, and Chekhov gets stuck with the yellow chick and <laughs> Kurt makes out with the green-haired chick with the, you know, silver bikini on. Yeah, that one. So he's the, yeah, he's the enforcer guy there with the, looks like Ming the Mer Merciless in that one. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I recognized him from somewhere. Okay. Yeah, I kept, I'm like, I know that guy, but with hair, I didn't quite, quite get it. Um. And the writer on this, Don Ingalls, I, I love IMDb. Uh, the writer on this, Don Ingalls, actually wrote two Star Trek episodes from the original series, A Private Little War, and in my opinion, the absolute worst episode of classic Star Trek, worst in Spock's brain, The Alternative Factor, the one with Lazarus 
Oh, right. That the, thing the guy just... who later went on to become a Klingon. Yes. <laughs> that guy just kept... I mean, that episode just makes absolutely no sense. It's that guy falling off rocks for like an hour. You know, just... <laughs> <It was> a... <laughs> the pain! <laughs> yeah. ah! And weird, you know, bad 60s special, quote-unquote, effects. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. How many times can they go down the antimatter corridor? Right. And it should have been a really good one. The, the premise is great. I mean, it's like multiple Earth stories, you know, but it, and, and, and like even somewhat, somewhat like uh, touching on things that Crisis on Infinite Earths would touch on, but it's just mm-hmm. handled very poorly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. That is not a good episode at all. No, no. Well, I so, think that's all I got on this one. Okay, so shall we move on to Captain America 2? Yes. All right. Now, Captain America 2, subtitled Death Too Soon, came out in November of 1979, so 11 months after the first Captain America movie. Mm -hmm. Now, after a recycled opening shot from the first film, we come upon Steve Rogers sketching an old woman in a park. He jumps in the way of an errant Frisbee player who nearly runs into her. She's a little more upset about it than she should be and confides in Steve that all of her friends are being mugged as soon as they cash their pension checks. Steve tells her to cash hers as soon as she can. When she does, she has her purse snatched by a slumming biker gang, and then Captain America shows up and foils the robbery. Meanwhile, Dr. Mills is irate that Professor Ilson didn't show up to a Senate committee hearing. He storms into Ilson's lab over the protests of the assistant and finds it trashed. The only clue about what happened is a broken piece of glass with the letters M-I-G-U written on it. Mills believes that this refers to the terrorist general, general in quotes, Miguel, and calls in Captain America. Turns out he was right, and Miguel is in a federal prison, not as a prisoner, but posing as the warden as a cover. He has Ilsen captive and is forcing him to create a formula that will cause people and animals to age 39 days per hour. He plans to release this in the air over Portland, Oregon, unless the United States government pays him $1 billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. No Dr. Evil here. (laughs) Mills and Rogers, along with Dr. Day, now recast with Connie Selica in the role, figure out that Ilsen will need a specific ingredient for his work and only comes from Ecuador. Captain America investigates a shipment that has just come in from that country and finds the ingredient, as well as a lot of overacting. Dee Rogers then tails the shipment to a small town, but he loses it. Sticking around, Rogers finds that everyone in the town is acting strangely, including the vet, who hasn't had a patient with four legs all day, but has seen plenty with two. After being that creepy stranger with a van that wants to talk to a little boy, (laughs) Rogers is asked to leave by a couple of big guys, who just happen to be the ones driving the van with Ilsen's ingredient in it. He says he'll leave, but he keeps snooping, eventually meeting back up with the mother of Peter, the boy from before, who is named Helen. She won't help him, but instead also asks him to leave the town. Realizing that he didn't take the hint, the guys are back with friends and baseball bats. Steve handily defeats them, though, and all it cost him was a shirt. Helen, seeing that he's someone who will actually stand up for the town, takes him back to her farm for a new shirt and some lunch. While they're there, they discover that Peter's pet lamb has grown old and died. Meanwhile, Mills and Day are brought a cougar cub 
who they're told has been given the aging formula. They do some tests and confirm that it has been and the formula works exactly as Miguel has said. Everett Bliss, who works for the president, tells them that they will not negotiate with terrorists. Upon receiving word of this, Miguel releases the formula over Portland and now demands $2 billion for the antidote. Helen eventually spills the beans that her town was dosed with the formula three weeks ago, and the supposed vet has been giving them small injections of the antidote. Rogers works out where the vet might have been due to the mileage on his long drive out of town, as well as some stuff found on the tires, and comes up with the prison that Miguel is at. Captain America breaks into the prison and frees Professor Ilson, but it turns out that Miguel has all the formula and antidote with him, and that he just drove out of the gate. Cap then gets to his motorcycle, throws it on top of the wall, and rides off. Instead of going splat, he unfurls a hang glider from the TARDIS-like rear of the bike and flies down Miguel's car. After a quick fight in the woods, Miguel throws a bottle of the formula at Cap, who breaks it with his shield. The formula splashes back on Miguel, showing that he has chosen poorly. Mills and Rogers take to the air and distribute the antidote to the people of Portland, who have only aged about 10 months, meaning that this whole incident has taken under 8 hours. That was definitely more like a TV episode than a movie, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I, I do think overall it's a better, it's it's a much tighter story. It actually, this, the plot actually makes some amount of sense. Yes. And you've got a much better villain in Christopher Lee as well, Miguel. <laughs> you, you can't go wrong with Christopher Lee. Right. Right. I mean, he, you know, it just like it's just like Ricardo Montalban being in the uh, Wonder Woman movie. Yes. It, his very presence elevates it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and there's a lot less padding in this one. I mean, there's some padding, but uh, there's a lot of this that feels like an Incredible Hulk episode because you've got Steve becoming involved with people. He's coming to this town. He becomes involved in what's going on. I mean, usually on Incredible Hulk, it wasn't a scientific -y plot like this, a science fiction -y plot. But, you know, you, you know, he, he kind of falls for the, the mom, Helen, and, mm -hmm. and you know, it, it just feels like maybe they were trying to eject a little bit of that Hulk formula into this as it was maybe going to potentially become episodic, you yeah, know. And it it's, sounds like this easily could have been a two-part episode. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. almost like they, they did the movie, then they were planning on going to series, and they had this script. And it's like, okay, here's our first two-parter, and it didn't get picked up. So, oh, we got the script, we paid for it. What the hell, let's do it. The original actress wasn't available, so what the hell, bring in Connie Selica. Right, a pre-Raised <laughs> American Hero Connie Selica. Yes. <laughs> Pre-John Tesh, not Connie Selleck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. I, I know I'm jumping all over the place here, but when he gets into the fight with the five guys mm -hmm. and he's throwing them all over, the, that was some really good examples of, oh, you know, he has superpowers. He, you know, throw, rips out a support post on a deck, makes him go flying and everything. Yeah. But the only thing that happens to him is he gets his shirt ripped. So I'm watching this with my wife, and she turns to me and says, Look, he has a Captain Kirk shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that Futurama episode where Kirk like rips his shirt beforehand, makes sure yeah. it rips. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Red Brown had to shave his chest like William Shatner did? <laughs> Probably so. Uh, <laughs> That that fight scene is actually pretty cool. It's kind of like Walking Tall meets The Incredible Hulk. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's like 
all these guys with ball bats and, and <laughs> when he takes that deck out and they all slide down that's actually pretty cool i mean you're and you and you can steve's like really mad he's like come on and he's like all raged out <laughs> yeah because the, 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 rage. <laughs> the one guy pokes him with a bat and he's like, okay i'm going and yeah. another guy pokes him and says, don't do that again yeah. the third guy pokes him and he said three strikes you're out grabs the bat and starts swinging the guy all around and he just beats the crud out of it. And they keep coming at him. I'm like, dude, I would yeah. run in the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see this guy just bodily, and he takes the one bat. And that that was the best part of this. He's got a bat in his hand. The other guy comes, and it's like they're sword fighting. Yeah. And the two, he hits the bat so hard, the uh, the bats break. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy, you'd see the guy just look at it. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> you imagine what that felt like in your hand when that oh, happened? Oh, yeah. E. Bad vibrations? You know. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Start, going back to the beginning, you know, yeah. Steve's talking to this old woman, and he kind of sets her up as bait. I mean, he's like, <laughs> you go he ahead does. and cash your check. You cash your check. The, you know, it'll be okay. Go cash your check. And he's following her in the van. He's not following her like right behind her. He's in the van as Steve, and he he changes really quick, obviously, and launches out of the of the van. So you know you hear the theme music, and it looks really cool. But what if this guy shanked the old woman? Yeah, I mean, really. Like, I mean, this is I'm not kidding. This is a biker gang. Yeah, they got the leathers. They got everything, and they're mugging old people. <laughs> How the mighty have fallen. That's right. Well, they're a dune buggy gang because they. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, okay. So he's he has his super motorcycle, mm -hmm. which has the rocket boost and everything, and he uses it. He chases the guy on foot down. Now the guy on foot who has the purse, he throws it to a guy in a dune buggy, and Captain mm -hmm. America catches it and brings it back to the old lady. Mm -hmm. Fine, guy in the dune buggy comes back. And Cap gets off of the bike and <laughs> runs after him on foot. Yes. And they play the bionic sound. Yeah, they play the bionic sound and they speed up the film. Yeah. And because the waves, suddenly the, the waves, waves are crashing <laughs> twice as fast. Yeah. <laughs> Just stay on the damn bike. And then he really? pulls the guy out of the dune buggy on a beach full of people. And the mm -hmm. dune buggy's still going. And, and the dune buggy over. goes into the... the um, the ocean, eventually. Yeah, after it runs over, like, three kids, a couple, <laughs> another old person, a dog, you know, I mean, it's, it's like, and then before all that, you have probably the worst scene with the shield, because he throws the shield, oh. and then the, the punk with the knife, the guy's got a knife on him, and he's like, huh, you know, and he... He's not paying attention. He looks as the shield goes past him, and then it shows Cap like, yeah, you're going to get it, buddy, because it's coming back. And But it's so slow, and when it hits the guy, I mean, it looks like, you know, it's it's like the cellophane S from, from Superman. <laughs> that was a minor inconvenience, you know? It's yeah, like, it's like... Boink. <laughs> but the guy overreacts. The the, oh. the thug, like he's like he does every bodily contortion that you could ever imagine. His eyes roll up in his head as he hits the ground after this, you know, flimsy plastic. I mean, if you got hit with a real frisbee, it would hurt a lot more than this thing. <laughs> the but only I mean, guy in the movie that overacts worse than that one is the guy on the the loading dock when Cap just smacks him with a shield, and he's like, oh, 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 uh, Right. Oh, the, the loading dock scene. I mean, what was up with that? I mean, I know we're kind of jumping ahead, but yeah. he, he barrels through there, 
And he doesn't know if some of those guys are like real dock workers. They're probably not all involved in this illegal, you know, smuggling operation or whatever's going on. And he like comes in as Captain America and like tears the crap out of the whole place and throws people around and, you know, fights with a forklift. And it's, yeah, it's kind of it's it's. The one, my one problem, my one real problem with this movie is there seems to be there was an edict from somebody that said he has to be in costume this many minutes in the movie, and well, they they like forced they forced it. This would have made more sense for Steve to sneak in, look in the crate, maybe get in a fight with one guy or something, and and then you know get the 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 drug and throw it to Wendy. Which when he throws it to her, that is the most ludicrous part in this movie. Which there's lots of ludicrous parts, huh. but he throws it in the air over a building and it magically lands in her passenger seat in her convertible. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I I can kind of understand them wanting the more him more in the costume because he didn't show up in costume in the first movie until one hour and fourteen minutes in. Right. So I can kind of see that. But yeah, this this whole thing. Okay, he knocks out all the dock workers. Fine. Mm-hmm. He destroys a bunch of boxes. Then he goes over and he very carefully opens the crate, and there are <laughs> what, two boxes inside. Then he punches open the one box. Yeah. <laughs> Well, either you're being careful or you're not. Make up your mind. Yeah, it's he's a very loud, stealthy. He's got you know. It's like he's. I, I didn't really get that. And there's a scene later in the movie when and we're jumping ahead here, but when Steve he gets put in jail because he fought with the guys and they're basically trying to contain him. They throw him in the jail and he breaks out and they're like, you know, they see the bars bent. What happened? They go outside. Captain America rides by on his motorcycle. And at no point did the, did the villains know Captain America was involved in this plot at all. They didn't know he was on to them. And they're like, it's Captain America. They, they recognize him, uh, which I guess he's not a very, a very good secret agent because everybody knows yeah. who he is. And he's riding around with his motorcycle and then he gets, it's a very cool action scene. He gets chased by these guys, Jeeps with machine guns. He gets shot off a, into a dam on the motorcycle. And he had a busted lip earlier from the fight with the guys, but he mm-hmm. somehow su- survives crashing down the side of a dam. Yeah, he jumps, <laughs> he jumps like he's going over the Jeeps. Mm-hmm. And somehow, I guess a gust of wind, something, yeah. he ends up going over the side of the dam, right. smacking it on the way down, yeah. and landing in the water. Then they shoot at him. Yeah. Uh, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get why he, it's like, okay, I'm going to show him I'm Captain America now for no good reason. It's well, <laughs> the guy's line, though, is oh, Captain yeah. America broke Rogers out of jail. <laughs> yeah. That's a huge jump in logic there. I would have been, oh, this, this str- we have one stranger in town yeah. who's built like Captain America, <laughs> has apparent super strength, right. but he can't be Captain America. Right. It's... Captain America doesn't draw pictures. Everyone knows that. If he was the secret identity of Captain America, he'd have glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this is this movie came out November of the same year as the first one. Uh-huh. Apparently, he has been very busy in those 11 months because not only do these guys 
know he's Captain America. They know what he can do on the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's been doing a lot of not-so-secret aging. Right. I mean, I guess he's just out in the open as Cap, but it just it still didn't make any sense to tip off those guys that he, that that Captain America was on this case. It's like, that is another one of those cases of, we've got to get some more Cap in this movie. Here, put it in this scene, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the uh, the thing with the going jumping back again, the plot, the one thing, here's another scientist working for National Security Labs that is either compromised or kidnapped. Either way, they really need to keep better tabs on their scientists. Yeah, well, <laughs> the assistant, as Mills is going in, the assistant, no, 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 it's fine. We always lose track of him for days at a time. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of security do you people have here? That's right. <laughs> it's like he could be dead in there for all they know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. And no one has a key. Right. right. They have to blow the lock apart in order to get into the lab to find it's trashed. Yeah. How did the bad guys get in? Speaking of convenience, you know, it's very convenient that Steve suddenly has a cat. Yeah. Uh, not not only does he suddenly have a cat when he needs it, it suddenly disappears when he doesn't. Right. And at the end, he gives the kid a dog. I'm like, yeah. why didn't he give him the cat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, because ex- I was wondering where the cat went. And he said, well, you know, maybe you need a new pet. Oh, okay. Well, there's the cat. No, it's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> well, you know, it's like the, the the vet was, you know, the vet in the town wasn't really a vet. He was acting like mm-hmm. a vet and inoculating everybody with enough of the antidote to keep the aging at bay as they tested it on this town. And, you know, it just, Steve just happens to have a cat and he's painting the cat out in the park in front, you know, in front of in the town. And, and that's when the thugs first come up to him. But it's like, okay, he had the cat before we knew that the vet was involved. So it's like, how convenient was it for him to have this mystery cat out of nowhere? <laughs> oh, and I know, you know, it was a more innocent time and everything, but you have this big stranger in town who is petting his cat and he wants to talk to your little boy and he wants to take your little boy to have him show him all the, the nice horse trails around here. It's like, right. It's like not creepy at all, is it? Stranger danger. He's got a van. I mean, uh, I'm sure it's full of candy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, it's so, I mean, yes, you're right. It's a more innocent time. But even, you know, I was a kid back then. I was warned about people in bands, you know? <laughs> I, I, you know, so it's, I, I can't believe somebody didn't say, you know, maybe we shouldn't, you know, but they had to get the relationship with the mom going. Which right. seemed to, but you know, she talked to him at first, and then when she come out of the doctor's office, she like got instantly snippy with him. It's like they didn't. I guess they wanted to show how conflicted she was, keeping up this facade of you know well, what's going on in the town. See, but, I I read it like, okay, you're a new guy. Yeah, we'll talk to you. Be polite. Yeah, then you come out and you okay, you're still talking to my kid. You're not talking to me. You're talking to my kid. Get the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> that that could be it. That's yeah. true. <laughs> uh, another little Marvel, semi-Marvel cameo. Uh, when when they show Portland, uh, downtown Portland, and the 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 plane is sky riding, and that's how uh, Miguel drops the 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 drug, uh, the aging compound on Portland. 
and uh, the guy, there's a, a an actor or a character we see in the crowd who has several lines of dialogue. That's actually Alex Hyde White, who plays later plays Reed Richards in the unreleased Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie. Aha! Okay. Yeah. So there you go. So there's a uh, there's another Marvel semi cameo there. So <laughs> and at the see, I remember that name because at the end of when we're watching the credits. My wife is a huge Scooby-Doo fan. Yeah, oh, so, yeah. His name came up. I'm like, Alex Hyde White? <laughs> Professor Hyde White! <laughs> <laughs> now, which which villain was he? Was he the Creeper or was he Dr. Who was he? Uh, uh, no, the Creeper was the bank president. Right. He Was was he Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Was he? No, that was Jekyll, right? I don't know. But there is a, definitely yeah. a Professor Hyde White, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember what episode. I think it's from the first season, but I don't remember what specific episode it was. It's just, that's the one that's always quoted. Right, yeah, gotcha. So, another thing, Wendy tests the antidote on herself, but how does she know it would still, it's going to work on on somebody that's been exposed to the agent yeah, compound? Here, here's here's the way it goes. Okay, Portland's been exposed with chemtrails. There you right. go, conspiracy nuts. So there were chemtrails in 1979. There you go. Now, they have this cougar who has now grown to full size. They get the antidote. You know, Miguel is Christopher Lee's being a really nice guy. He's, uh, here's a sample of the antidote, just so you know I'm on the level. And he leaves in the the politician's hotel room, just as a little rib. It's like, yeah, I can get to you. Mm-hmm. So they have the antidote. They have this cougar which has been dosed with the, the stuff. And Dr. Day says, well, we need to test it. There's no time to do it here. I'll test it on myself on the way. Mm-hmm. Give the cougar at least some injection. If right. So you can do some testing while you're on the plane. Right. Just see if it works at all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it could have been liquid Tylenol for all we know. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I don't have the sniffles anymore. But, you know, as, I mean, <laughs> I just, I like, yeah, that part didn't. I mean, it's like they went out of their way to, to say, I'm going to test it on myself, like to show that, oh, she's sacrificing so much. Well, how do you know that that I mean, if they have the it might not hurt you, but it might be a, like a, a binary compound like uh, the Joker venom in the Batman movie, you know, yeah, it's like, really, yeah. you know, if it's you use these two things together, then it, you know, gives you a rictus grin or something and kills you. <laughs> I mean, you know, it might have done something like that, you know, so it, it didn't that didn't make a whole lot of sense. But yeah, and, and then another thing with this magic aging formula, Miguel orders his goons to spray it on the guard dogs in the prison. And it apparently agitates them. At what point did they ever say that this aging compound makes people or animals go ape crap when they get sprayed with it? I mean, Portland's not tearing itself apart. It's not like the stuff from Agent Carter. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like... It's... All, all I can think is that once they got dosed, then if they bit you, mm. you would be infected like rabies. But they never oh. explain that. That's it's just, that. That's yeah. just my mind trying to connect the dots. But... Speaking of those dogs, mm-hmm. there are three dogs that attack him. A Doberman, a German Shepherd, and it looks like uh, a Great Dane mix. I own two German Shepherds. I had one before that. I can tell you it's super obvious that those dogs are trained to attack only the shield. Because at one point, the German Shepherd gets behind him. Mm-hmm. He could have ripped his Achilles tendon out in no time if he yeah. really wanted to attack him. But no, it's like, oh, wait, the shield's now over here. I have to get back in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> Try and be a little less obvious with the dog training next time. Right, yes. Uh, <laughs> so 
then when he gets to the prison, one thing that people seem to remember about, there's two things that people remember about this movie. One is the hang glider, which we'll get to. But two is the moment where Cap throws his bike up to the upper level of the prison. Like there's a, you know, the, the, the prison wall. He throws it up and it just goes up and lands perfectly. Well, it's got <laughs> anti-grab discs in it, apparently. It's because... made of nymph metal. It, it, it doesn't just land perfectly it goes up and then slows down right coming right. down it arcs, it's like oh there are the wires lowering it it goes up and arcs down yes yeah and and then and then he rides it off and then he pushes the button that says deploy and a hang glider pops out of it yes <laughs> a hang glider a full-size hang glider comes out of what is approximately a four inch by four inch by two inch cube <laughs> at the back of the bike but it's awesome <laughs> yeah, it's, it's well i'm all i can think of is that the flash packed it <laughs> so there you go <laughs> oh and and the one thing i wrote down is i'm wondering if captain america uses the same service as batman oh because he just leaves the hang glider there so does he have the van that comes up to pick the hang glider up like with the parachutes the bat shoots yeah the, the automatic bat turn bat yeah yeah it's <laughs> It's <laughs> good one, yeah. I, you know, the hang glider. I mean, it look it looks like what they did is they they created a motorcycle facade. They had a guy on a hang glider in a Captain America suit, and the motorcycle facade, you know, basically between his legs, and it really does work. I mean, it looks effective. Yeah, it does. It, it, I mean, there's no way it would work with a full motorcycle weight. No, but no. it it looks really well done. They did a nice job on it. Right, and then the only bad part is he's chasing Christopher Lee in a station wagon. <laughs> it's like Mike Brady trying to get away from Captain America. You but know? everybody has station wagon in the seventies. Well, this is true. This is true. But it, and it just—that's the one. This is like the one part that felt padded, like the first movie. It just—it's mm -hmm. like, hey, man, we spent a lot of money on this hang glider, these hang glider shots. We're going to use them. You know? <laughs> I want yeah. every shot, every every frame of this hang glider sequence in this movie you know? well you know that if they ended up with a series that they would have cut that up just like the bat boat or the bat helicopter yeah yeah they would cut it up as like okay we need him to chase something in the hang glider bang there it is you know, right reuse just like they reuse the entire opening sequence from the first movie in this movie right yes we're driving in the van yes yeah yes exactly yeah you're right they would have used it again and again and again uh miguel when he when cap confronts him he has this line about you know we could have been if things were different we could have been friends or something it's like what i mean yeah, where, where did that come from it's like that they really didn't as as good christopher lee being effective in this movie has more to do with his screen persona than what they gave him to do yeah they really don't give him a lot to do he's not even we're told miguel is basically he's he's done every he's been behind every bad thing that was done in the last you know several decades he's you know just they rattle off this list of things he did i think he even came up with the brady bunch of variety hour i'm, I'm not I'm sure but mm -hmm. but but, uh, but he said has that line and there's this, like this supposed to be some kind of connection between them, but they don't give him any, they don't really give him, he doesn't do anything particularly evil on screen. He doesn't kill a henchman 
for, you know, screwing up or anything. He seems like a strict but fairly nice boss, you know? It's like... Yeah, he, he, he just says, well, don't do this again, or... Actually, he lets his underling mainly deal with other people. Right, right. But, yeah, I, the, the idea of being the... Taking over for the, the new warden, it's like, well, they don't know what he looks like, so most of the guards are actually guards, and they think right. he is the warden. Right. So, but no one at all... Every, Everybody in the world knows Captain America and his motorcycle. Yeah. Not one of the guards says, why the hell is Captain America breaking into a prison? Right, exactly. Yeah. It's like, they don't stop and say, you know, what's going on, Cap? Can we help you? You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the part where he was in the prison was actually kind of a novel idea. I mean, it was a good place to hide out, but I'm not real sure why the prison has a laboratory unless they're doing some illegal testing on prisoners in this prison. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Hydra prison. Yeah. It's a... <laughs> hail Hydra. Yeah, hail, hail Hydra. <laughs> You're failing! Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes, yes, this movie was. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, poor Christopher Lee, he is doomed to be in movies where he crumbles to dust and ages. <laughs> You know, I, I'm sure all somebody had to do was pour some blood over top of him and he would, Miguel would come back, you know. But uh, yeah. the, the way he ages is actually really well done because the minute he gets splashed, I don't know how they did it, but I don't know if it's Christopher Lee just contorting his face. But he looks like he wrinkles up the yeah, second I, he gets hit. It could be. It could be like a, uh, what was it, Frederick March yeah. doing Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Like a lighting thing, yeah. Yeah, just like his face moving was mm -hmm. enough to to change it, it right it, it yeah. was very effective but <laughs> it's funny because as soon as he gets splashed with the thing my wife says oh now he's going to change into what he looks like now <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> well, and he kind of did at the very end with the white hair and everything yeah you know that looks i don't know how they did that but i don't know it do you I'm still trying. I need to go back and look at it again because I've always. It looks like Christopher Lee just made up old, but he looks thinner. I don't know if they put him in baggier clothes to, you know, they really put a lot of thought into making him look like he did. I mean, they just didn't put, you know, makeup on him to make him look old. I mean, he looks like he has lost about 20 pounds. And he just looks very emaciated, and it's really well done. I mean, it's kind of at an odd angle, so you don't get, like, a, a really good look at his face. But that part was actually – I mean, they could have went with a really bad, you know, old man makeup on him and ruined the whole thing. But they, right. they really did – it was really well done. Yeah, it, it was it – was really good i have to say basic and like you said it's not necessarily the material was given but every scene with christopher lee in this movie is very well done mm -hmm. and the makeup effect the way he contacts the government he he calls them but he has a rerouter like mm -hmm. uh, to hide so they can't trace the call mm -hmm. and it's real it's it's clever it's they don't point it out it's just okay well they're hanging up the phone and they're hanging up this other phone mm -hmm. and it took me until the second time they used it to realize what they were actually doing so if, if they were a little more subtle like that with other aspects it could have been really good right yeah it's you know it's interesting because you know trying to do you know there's like you said there's not very much on these movies as far as plot synopsis or anything on the internet 
And your plot synopsis were really good, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. The some places I saw they they kind of compared him to a uh, Miguel to a pseudo Red Skull type. I don't know if that's uh. really apt. I, you know, I mean, the Red Skull used the dust to death sometimes, but I think that's kind of pushing it. I think it's just because Christopher Lee is a super villain worthy bad guy, and he's in this Captain America movie. I'm I'm pretty. I think that's pretty much the connection. You yeah, know, th- there's nothing. He wasn't a Nazi. He wasn't trying to take over the world necessarily no although the one the one henchman says oh well the united states government is going to finance a world revolution right which was kind of yeah it's like what is this guy really you know it's just like you know they they gave you enough i mean he seems to be kind of random in his evilness you know yeah (laughs) i i I almost expected him but i i thought he was going to be like the other like the guy in the first movie where all he wants is the money right yeah but okay he kind of has an ulterior motive he's going to use the money for some okay i that that's a little more of a character bit there right right still it was he was very very nebulous as to what was going to go on right right yeah and you know speaking of kind of nebulous uh you know if i lived in portland and uh, they told me to you know be outside i wouldn't be driving my car down the street when they were going to come over with the- <laughs> i would be on my roof naked <laughs> give me <laughs> give me that i want to make sure it gets on everything you know um, <laughs> I mean, the, the people are still in their cars. I mean, obviously, it's a stock footage shot. You know, it's uh, you know, or, or they you know they they couldn't get a they couldn't they couldn't close off a street and, and have people you know just stand right. there as the plane went by or whatever, and uh, or the copter went by, which is the copter. And, and again, there's some recycled shots of Steve and Simon mm-hmm. in the copter from the first movie because suddenly Simon has a red ball cap on and the motorcycles behind him. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. It's like okay, that must be the Captain America. Copter. That's right. <laughs> oh man, if Corgi had made one of those back in the day, I would have had to bought it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, overall, it's. Uh, I think this one is. It's a more enjoyable movie. You know, I think it's not just because you get Cap in costume more. Just the plot, and it's just tighter. And and like you said, Red Brown actually, you know, like he's not the greatest actor in the world, but he's competent. You know, he yeah. he gets the job done, and yeah, he seems one, sincere. You know, at one point he's in Helen's house after Portland's been dosed, and. <laughs> She's going to make coffee. And he slams the cabinet shut. And he says, those people are going to age a week while you make that coffee. Mm-hmm. As I bought it. I bought that he was upset. Yeah, so I did too. Yeah. He, he does have some acting chops. It's mm-hmm. just, it's not the best stuff. Right. <laughs> and right. not having seen him in anything else, I don't know if he gets better in other things. I don't know if help, you know, playing off of Lou Ferrigno helps. I may have to find that Cage movie just to yeah, see me too. what it's like. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I wouldn't go so far as Rob Kelly did and call him the slab of beef. Yeah. <laughs> because he's, yeah, he's a big guy, but he can do some acting. I mean, he's a right. better actor than I am, I'll tell you that. Yeah, me too, yeah. I don't know if the, according to him in that Age of TV Heroes book, uh, Red Brown, he said that the reason it wasn't picked up as a series was because basically someone at Universal let the license lapse and Ooh. 
they would have had to pay Marvel again and more money than they did the first time to get it back. And that's why it wasn't picked up. But then other sources say that it was they canceled Spider-Man semi-series. They canceled Wonder Woman, even though the ratings were still good. And they kept The Incredible Hulk. But in 1979, they canceled everything superhero other than the Hulk. And the rumor was that I heard elsewhere was that somebody had somebody had told a CBS head honcho that you're running the the comic book station. That's what CBS stood for. But that's also very similar to the same story from the early 70s where an executive uh, got in a huff because somebody called CBS the country broadcasting system because they showed Mayberry RFD and Beverly Hillbillies and and Green Acres and all these rural comedies. And they canceled them all in one year, you know, even though they were top rated shows because basically they had the black eye of being the redneck network or something, you know. And uh, so I don't know if that story is true, but it is kind of odd that they canceled all these things at around the same time. So who knows? But you know, sometimes the rumor's better than the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Print yeah, the legend, sure. right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, Connie Selica, I didn't mind Wendy in the first one, but I guess, you know, growing up watching the greatest American hero, I, I wouldn't have, you know, I, I buy Connie Selica in anything, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. So that, that she, I didn't have any problem with her. One weird thing is this movie, this TV movie was released, both of them were released overseas as theatrical movies. And there's like a poster uh, for this one. And you see like a really cool painted shot of, of Red Brown as Cap. And, and you see Miguel, Christopher Lee, as he's getting splashed. And, and it, it, it says, you know, starring Red Brown, Christopher Lee, and Lana Wood and as Yolanda. Well, Yolanda has like maybe five minutes of screen time. She's the lady in the Jeep with the machine gun that's chasing after Cap and is at the checkpoint seeing who's coming in and out of the town. She's on the walkie-talkie. But Oh, okay. So apparently the reason she got third billing when it was made into a movie is because she was the wife of the producer, Alan Balter, at the time. Uh, and she also the sister of Natalie Wood. <laughs> and she appeared in Playboy. And she was Plenty O'Toole in the James Bond movie. Movie diamonds are forever. <laughs> ah, okay. So we had a Goldfinger connection last time with the plot. We have a, yeah. a, a Diamonds Are Forever connection with an actress. Okay. R right. So, so you know, one of the great James Bond names, Plenty O'Toole. Uh, almost <laughs> one, as good one, as... one of the, uh, the shortest film time Bond girls, too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, the writer on this one, Wilton Schiller, he, he speaking of Adventures of Superman last time, he actually wrote some episodes of The Adventures of Superman. And uh, I was looking up uh, the director, Ivan Nagy. Uh, he was a uh, one-time boyfriend to uh, Heidi Fleiss. Remember her? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and his IMDb page is actually full of uh, porno movies. So I guess that's, <laughs> that's what he went on to after this. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. so there you go. <laughs> Uh, you know, one thing I forgot to mention before with the Evil Knievel connection with these things, I actually had a, a ride-on Evil Knievel. It's kind of like a big wheel, but it had like huge, it was big and it had huge tires. And 
for me that you know that it was mostly white it had red and blue stripes on it that was my captain america motorcycle you know so oh, okay yeah i i mean that that's a, probably another reason why i just can't i can't be too hard on these movies i mean i, I can pick at them but i can pick at them and poke at them and i realize you know they're not the greatest thing in the world but there's something about them that just uh that just makes me smile and i, I mentioned this on supermates we went and saw the marvel universe live show uh, last fall and there's a lot of motorcycle stunts in that uh there's characters like bruce banner riding a motorcycle who knew bruce banner was a you know he says it's all physics you know that's how you can ride the <laughs> ride the dirt bike as well as he does but captain america is on a motorcycle almost through the whole thing with a helmet on and the whole time i was watching that thing i just heard i mean i just heard that in my head it's like it's ingrained in there you know i can't i can't get it out so well it's it's a pretty decent theme, so I'll, but then I'm, I like Mike Post stuff, so it's right. fine with me. Right, That's like, I think it's Mike Post and, and Pete Carpenter, who was uh, his partner, so... Right. They did uh, they did good stuff, you know. And, and of course I I love the Alan Silvestri first Avenger theme. I mean, that's a great see Captain America's got the best theme of any of the Marvel movies, in my opinion. You know. Oh, I agree. I mean that's, that's a like. great that that's you know, you don't get those themes nowadays, but and the Avengers theme's pretty good too, but and it's distinctive, but the Captain America theme, you like remember it. You know, when you leave the theater, you and that's it's between the two of them. I mean, Captain America's got some good music, plus the Marvel, the '60s Marvel cartoon, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's all I got on this one. Yeah, that's pretty much all I had. It's it's entertaining. Both of these actually are entertaining movies. Mm-hmm. They are not horrible. I w- I can see my. This is not a Wonder Woman situation here. I can see myself sitting down and watching these again. Yeah. As long as you go into it realizing it's a 1979 take on TV take on the character. Right. Not all of them work. Some of this stuff is pretty pretty good. I can see exactly what they were going for. I I would recommend anyone that is curious if you can find a copy very cheap, go for it. Get it. It's it's not a bad thing to have. No. Well, since that wraps that up, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet, Chris? Okay, well, uh, me and Cindy, my wife, hosts the Supermates podcast at supermatescomic.blogspot.com or on iTunes. That is a general geeky discussion show. And, of course, we had Gene on to talk about the uh, Wonder Woman movie recently, uh, the Kathleen Crosby one. So that's the type of stuff, comics, movies, TV shows, basically anything geeky that, that crops up, we talk about it. Um, I'm also uh, occasionally on the Fire and Water podcast when they when Rob does the uh, Power Record shows. I'm the co-host on that. Uh, so you can find that on iTunes or at powerrecord.blogspot.com. All right, and I would recommend checking out those shows. Uh, Supermates is a wonderful show, and please excuse me for saying this, Chris, but because, Cindy, when Logic Lass appears, it's <laughs> worth it every single time. <laughs> yes, Logic Lass. We're going to have to get T-shirts made of that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, are you going to get her to pose in like a... a Legion of Superheroes outfit as Logic Lass? I think that'd be a good idea. I think I'm going to have to give... Martin Gray came up with that, so I'm going to have to give him royalties on that, though. (laughs) He named her that, so the checks are coming, Martin, just in case you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that takes care of it for us. We'll see you next time, everyone. Bye. 
Legends of the Superheroes is a production of TheHammerStrikes.com and focuses on examining live-action versions of superheroes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send an email to legends at thehammerstrikes.com. Please look for The Hammer Strikes on Facebook and Google+, part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. <laughs>